Good morning. Good morning. This is the passage that we're going to look at briefly this morning. We're going to think about what difference it makes of all the hard theological things that we've talked about. If you've been with us for the last six weeks, you know we've been in, um, we, we've dealt with Melchizedek and a greater priesthood and a greater sacrifice, a greater blood offering, and that there is a great high priest. We've grappled with some very difficult themes, and as if in a relief in a sermon, there is a window in chapter 10, 19 to 26, where the writer of the book of Hebrews says, here's the therefore, here's the so what, here's a response. So today, after three or four weeks of really working hard with our brain, there is something to do in response. My prayer for you this week is that you would be able to respond to all these truths that we've talked about, which are summarized in verses 19, 20, and 21. And then there are three statements in response, three responses that are sort of the, okay, so let's do this in response. But first, the summary, verse 19 and 20. There are four things that I want you to see here which form the foundation for the let us respond. Okay, so, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, that's since all that's true, do you believe that's true? Okay. It's a little weak. In Romans chapter 10, Paul talked about his love for his fellow kinsmen, his Jewish brothers and sisters. And he said of them that they have a zeal for God, but it is not a zeal that is according to knowledge. In Romans chapter 10, verse 1, he said, My heart's desire and prayer for my kinsmen, the other Jews that are Jews with me, Paul said, my desire for them is that they would be saved. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, as if to say of them, they are not saved because they don't know the truth. And in that text, Paul, talking about Jewish brothers there, he said, they have a zeal for God, but my desire is that their zeal for God would be informed by knowledge, and that the knowledge that would inform their zeal would then save them eternally. So I just want to say this morning, it's possible for you to be here, have a zeal for God, and not really know who God is or what he's done, and that won't save you. You have to have the gospel of Jesus. You have to know that God sent his son into the world and that Jesus accomplished something in his life and death and burial and resurrection that creates a whole panoply of blessings for you. 
that opens up heaven because of what Jesus Christ accomplished. And some of them are listed here in these opening verses, and I want you to have the four of them that will help you. Number one, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. And the author of Hebrews just simply reminds us Jesus died and his blood was poured out for for sinners. Everybody said... I know, it's kind of weird. We don't really talk about sacrifice too much, but we've spent a few weeks talking about sacrifice and why the one who sins will surely die. Or you can trust in the death of Jesus. His blood is the only sacrifice. It's the final sacrifice. And if the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, covers you in your sins, you're saved. So one of the blessings that God gives in this whole collection of blessings that are the the knowledge that creates my love for God is I know that Jesus shed his blood for me. Two, he opened a new and living way. Jesus is alive today. He died, he shed his blood, but guess where he is now? He's alive. We have a living sacrifice, and so we're to give our lives to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. The second thing I'd underline in this little section is that Jesus Christ is alive. He opened a new and living way. Our Savior lives forever, right? And he opened the way through the curtain that is his flesh. He, he tore open his body. He, he opened the curtain into the Holy of Holies. The author of Hebrews is just reminding us of one of these blessings that the curtain into the most holy place is now open through the death of Jesus. And finally... The last phrase, we have a great high priest over the house of God. Why am I giving you these four things? The blood of Jesus, that Jesus is alive, that he opened the presence into the very holy presence of God for all of eternity for those who trust him, and that he is a great high priest who is now praying for his church. Why? Because that's the truth about Jesus that creates and fuels our zeal for him and then leads us to respond in the three ways that follow. So here are the three responses. Um, Verse 22. Let's read out loud together. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, if you're new today and you haven't been with us for the last six weeks, then let me just say to you that this is a book that's written to Jews who are very familiar with the Old Testament Levitical system of sacrifice. And the language of this text simply reaches back to all of that and says in a greater way, the only best response, first of all, for us to do is to draw near to God with a true heart and a full assurance of faith. Faith in what? Well, you can start with those first four things I said. The blood of Jesus covers us from our sins. He is alive today. He opened the way to God, and he's a great high priest over us. You need to have faith. That's true. And the invitation, then, is in light of all the things that we studied in the book of Hebrews, here's the very first thing we ought to do. We ought to draw near to God. And God says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And this first sort of so what is the upward life of everyone who knows Jesus. 
Think of it as an arrow that points to God. Draw near to God, which is not a place that we go. I mean, I pray that you draw near to God when you're in here. But let's answer the question, how do you draw near to God? I think it starts by removing the other things that draw you. You got one in your pocket now? I think in order to draw near to God, you have to set aside some of the things that so easily confuse and crowd our life. So if I'm going to say, how do you practice Calvary Bible Church drawing near to God? Put your phone away. Get in a space alone. Get in a closet. Go for a walk. See the, the majesty of God in the mountains. And by drawing near to him, you're not going to a geographical space. You're going to a place in your heart where you say to God these things. Your blood covers me. Jesus Christ, you are alive in heaven. You are the, the way, the truth, and the life. You have opened up the way for me to draw near to God, and you are the great high priest. You just simply tell your soul these things. That's how you draw near. When is the last time you drew near to God? We're all crowded. This afternoon, maybe you'll watch a football game and it'll get crowded, or you'll watch something else and it'll get crowded, or you'll have to do homework and your life will get crowded. Drawing near to God is in response to what Jesus has accomplished. Therefore, let us. This is a, this is a call to an upward life with God. And you can do it, but only by setting aside some other things, moving other distractions away and saying, God, I'm coming to you. And will you just look at this? There's three other words that are go with these. This word here. You draw near believing these things are true. And if, if necessary, saying to God, help my unbelief. He says, come with a true heart. Could I just suggest that maybe that what that means is an undivided heart? And this is hard for us because we have a lot of other pulls in our life. But drawing near to God means pulling away from other things and getting my heart aligned with him and saying, I believe these things. You are my great high priest. Draw near to him. The second thing in the next verse is hold fast. So we're going to draw near to God and hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, everybody, why? He who, he who promised is faithful. Again, here's another lettuce. I wish I had a head of lettuce to give to you so that you would remember. But let us collectively draw near to God. Let us hold fast to the confession of our faith. This section at the end of chapter 10 is this admonition to do this and followed by a warning what happens when you don't. But we're going to hold on fast to our confession. It's a confession of hope. Not a hope that I wish, but a hope that I'm certain in because I'm, I'm certain in it because the one who promised what's coming in eternity is the one who is faithful to keep his word. So, are you wavering in your spiritual life? There's a let us to this 
We need to encourage each other to hold on to the faith. In verse 36, there's another verse that follows, and it says, for you have need of, everybody, endurance. You feel like you need endurance today? So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised, the hope that's coming. And so I want to encourage you to hold fast to your confession. Verse 39 similarly says, we're not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we're those who have faith and preserve our souls. So back to verse uh, 22, 23. There, let us hold fast our confession. This is the inward life. I'm going to hold on to what I know I is believe in me. I, I know it's true because God promised it. And if God promised it, I, I believe it. And then the third head of lettuce is the next verse, verse 24 and 25. And it just says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. So if drawing near is the upward life and holding fast to our confession is my inner life, what's this one? This one is let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting, neglecting meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And in this so what statement, it talks to us as the family of God, is how we interact with each other, how we encourage each other. And there are a couple things I want you to notice about this text, particularly I'd love for you to notice that he's inviting the church of people who profess to know that Jesus, blood was shed to forgive sins, that he's entered into heaven, and that he welcomes us there as the great high priest says to us, don't neglect to meet together. Could be a word about church attendance, although they never met like this. But does this help you keep your compass pointed in the right direction? It does. Probably what's more in mind is the habit in that day of, of people meeting together in homes and being in small groups together where in small groups together, they would not neglect meeting together, but would be together, and then they would meet often, and that they would encourage one another. So could I just say, I want to encourage you, if you're going to fulfill the so what of this text, then I would suggest you need to be in a small group. You need to be in a small circle of people who encourage you, and you ought to meet often and encourage each other around the things of the Lord so that what you talk about there is not sports and the Broncos and work and you leave and had a good meal and say, wasn't that good fellowship? Well, it might have been, but did we encourage each other to follow Jesus? See the difference? So meet often, meet regularly, and do this. And I want to encourage you, if you're not a part of a small group and you'd like to, there's a card in front of you there in the row. We'd love for you to fill that out. And the goal of being together is that we would stir one another up now, we know how to stir each other up, right? I've stirred you up sometimes from here, and you've stirred me up sometimes with your letters, and uh, we stir each other up that way. That's not what's in mind here. What's in mind here is the spurring one another on to keep loving God when it's difficult, when it's difficult. Do you know what's in view here? More and more as you see the day approaching, what's that day? That's the end of the age. 
That's when all hell breaks loose. That's when evil rules. That's when demonic spirits break loose and lead people astray into all kinds of evil. That's when violence rules. Huh. You with me? Do you need, do you need others in your life today? If the day was approaching when the author of Hebrews wrote this 2,000 years ago, do we need it now? Is it a hard day to live for Jesus? Yeah, it is hard. We get discouraged. And so, draw near. Hold fast. Be together in community. This is the so what of it because the day is coming when the accomplishments of Jesus on the cross are going to come to full consummation and the one who sits at the right hand of God is going to come again. It'll be amen for everyone who loves Jesus and it'll be for those who have rejected him. Listen, this is a hard day to live for Jesus. We need to draw near to God. The command to draw near is all through the Bible. Ephesians, uh, Isaiah 55 says, come, come to me. Come drink. Come and listen to me. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life who came down out of heaven. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever comes to me I will not cast out. So draw near to God today and hold on to the things that you know are true. And then let's get in community together. I don't think we were made to live triumphantly for Jesus alone. We need each other. I need you to encourage me. You need others to encourage you. This is what is the so what because, and, and the reason we do that is not because we're weak, but because we sometimes forget that the things we talked about are true. If these things are true, then let's not move away from them in any way, but to hold on to them and stir one another up and hold on to these. These are the responses, and I want to practice them today in our church. We filled the service with a lot today, but you've heard from Kendall. You heard families commit themselves to Christ. It's been great to to hear that. But how are we going to be able to encourage each other in this community to hold on to Jesus when the world is pressing in? And every one of us in the room get messages that we should give up and walk away. I heard an article that there are four groups of people that are particularly thinking about quitting their jobs. Teachers, can't imagine being a teacher today. Medical professionals. Can you imagine being a medical professional in this world? Police officers. Imagine being a police officer. And pastors. Want to quit. They all want to quit. And they wish they had invested differently so they could. <laughs> I've heard. Why? It's hard. It's hard. And you get a lot of messages in your life that tell you things that aren't true. This is the place that you can come and you can open the Bible and the Bible will say to you, you have a high priest. 
he paid it all with his blood poured out for your sins. Your sins are forgiven if you trust him. He opened a way into the very presence of God that you can commune with God today and you can be assured that the promise of eternal life in the presence of Almighty God is yours, not because you're good enough, but because Christ is a perfect Savior. And he at the right hand of God is a great high priest praying for you today. We need to preach this to our soul when the day is drawing near that evil is around us. And we need to be with each other in community to say, don't give up. I want to talk to the college students who are here today. Just raise your hand if you're a college student. Okay? I'm so glad you're here. I can't think of another uh, environment in which messages are given that are so contrary to the sufficiency of Christ. And I love that you're here with us in our church. And I want you to know how much we do love you. We want to pray for you today. We want to pray for your endurance. Uh, Probably next week, many of you are going to go home. We're going to miss you here. Maybe the next couple weeks you're going for Thanksgiving. We want to pray it's a great time. We want you to be part of our church. And, uh, you know, over the last couple weeks, you've seen other college students who have grown up here, heard the call of God, and they're going to places that we can't even tell you where they are around the world to preach the gospel. And Kendall today in India, and I don't know where God's going to send you, but your time in the university being a part of this church is something we treasure and we want to pray for you. And I've asked one of our elders, Bill Jankosko, to come and to just pray for our college students today. With this in mind, I want to draw near to God, hold on to our confession, and I want us to stir one another up to love and good deeds and encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. So I want you, college students, to be encouraged And our church wants to pray for you. So would you be willing to stand? I don't want to embarrass you, but if college students, if you just stand, I I want to pray for you. Amen. You join us, Bill. Lead us. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are your people, and we come before you to seek a mighty blessing for these young men and women. Lord, we pray that you would keep them safe, keep them healthy, protect them in their time at the university. Lord, we uh, pray for their continued growth in faith in you, their holiness in you. Father, we pray that you would embolden their witness. We seek this in the powerful, wonderful, beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless college students. Yeah. This is one of the gifts that we can give to younger people is to encourage. Love. We love you. And, and to spur into a life of service for God. I want to pray for another group this morning. I want to pray for all our middle school and high school students. Um, this is a really challenging window of life to find out who you are, who you are in Christ. And uh, we've had some losses in our young people here. And this week we're celebrating the loss of one of our dearest students last year who died 
And we're remembering that. And we know our middle school and high school students have grief. And we want to pray for you. And we know this is a super challenging time. We love you. We want you to know you're loved. And this is the let us. So if you're a high school or middle school student, I've asked one of our elders, Steve Parsons, to come and pray for you. So would you be willing to stand? I I know maybe it's a little awkward to stand up in church, but we won't look at you. But we want... (laughs) We want you to stand, because we love our middle school, high school students all over. Okay? Please pray with me. Dear God, we humbly come before you, and when you lift up these high schoolers and middle schoolers, and uh, first and foremost, Lord, I pray for their families, that um, you would help their parents to... um, Give them the support that they need and um, give them love and understanding and truly to raise them in the ways of the Lord um, as that's mo- most important right now in their lives. And um, God, I pray for them and their, their wisdom and discernment at this time in their lives when they're being faced with many temptations and uh, they're forming their identity and figuring out who they are. Lord, I pray that they would root their identity in you, uh, that they would be rooted in the love and grace of Jesus Christ and then that they would take that and turn that around and direct their life that way and uh, direct their love and care for others in that way. And we love you and we, we pray for a blessing upon these high schoolers and middle schoolers. And through Christ we come, amen. Amen, thank you, Steve. All right, thank you, high school, middle school. We love you. This is the let us encourage each other. We want you to be encouraged to draw near to God, hold on to the things that you know are true. And to be in community together, stir one another up to love and good deeds. Okay, I thought about praying for our widows. We have a lot of widows in our church. That's lonely. We just need community together. Young families, new parents. I mean, who doesn't need encouragement? What category shouldn't we pray for? I can't think of one. So, could we just do the, this is the so what of all these blessings God has accomplished through his son. I want to encourage you, step closer to the community of people that we would not lose courage in this hard day. Right? We need each other. That's the let us. When you have a salad today, (laughs) and every day in the next week, you should just say, oh yeah, let us draw near. Let us hold on. And let let us encourage each other. If it doesn't happen here, it's not happening anywhere else. I'm... I'm counting on you. Because these things are true. We have a great high priest. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing the doxology. How's that? Mm. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you are a great high priest over the house of God, and we want you to be over us. We draw near to you today. I pray for anybody who's come to church today and they're far from God. I've never really thought much about drawing near to God. I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would awaken in them a desire 
to consider the possibility of, of knowing God through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that your sacrifice is sufficient and it covers over the failures and sins of all the world. And today we draw near to you and we cling to your promises, believing in hopeful faith that they're going to be delivered. And I pray that you will just let the, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, let the love of God knit this congregation together. Every part of it, every age group, every life circumstance, Lord, knit us together while there's still time. The day is approaching. And we look forward to the day that you will come and make the, the things we hope for the realities we live in for all of eternity. And we give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. God's grace to you.